Welcome to Nazra Reviews. This is Brian, your host, and today we are continuing the memorial for Fred Ward with Tremors 2 Aftershocks. This one, they start to lean into the comedy a bit more. There's a whole entire comic relief character, but in his defense, when shit starts to go down for realsies, he pulls it in and the other characters scoff at his shit. So this is about the maximum amount of comedy I want in this movie franchise. And, like, they just roll with the comedy for the next ones. That's why the first two are the ones that I like, and I don't really like the rest of the whole entire franchise. Each in varying degrees and differences, but still. The only other actress in here, because the only people that come back are Fred Ward and Michael Gross. But we're in Mexico now, not in Perfection, Nevada. And the lady in this movie, her name's Kate something, Dr. Kate something. The only thing I can remember her from is The Craft, and she's Nancy's mom. I like her much better in this movie than I do in The Craft. But there's not a lot of people in this movie. There's like seven total. So let's get into it, I guess. Since I explained enough last time about this franchise, let's go straight into it. All right. So we're in Mexico and we see this guy. He's on a pipe and he's scooting along the pipe and then the ground starts to move as if, I don't know, a giant worm was under the ground trying to get him. But it's going slow. It's stalking him. He's shimmying down this pipe. And then there's a bunch of barrels and a van. And this dumb motherfucker decides to jump from barrel to barrel instead of just running for it. I'm pretty sure he would have made it if he would have ran for it. But he doesn't run for it. The barrels get knocked out from beneath his feet. And he gets swallowed. So that's fun. Really helps with the scale when you actually see a human body disappear inside of a giant monster. But after that, we cut to Earl. And he's on his ostrich ranch. Don't know why he has an ostrich ranch. And he wants to get these ostriches to breed, but they won't. So a taxi comes up and the taxi driver's name is Grady and he's bringing Mr. Ortega who is a higher up in an oil field one of the biggest ones in Mexico and they're being attacked by graboids and they want Earl to come hunt the graboids there's like 28 of them or some shit and at first he's like nah I'm good I'd rather not die they already tried to talk to Val and Val said no and Grady's like well of course he did he's got a good woman Why would he want to die? So I'm glad that Rhonda and Val got together for realsies, and they never come back into the movie franchise after that, fortunately. So Grady's a super fan of Val and Earl and the whole situation. So he has all the magazines that they're in. He comments on the arcade game that's in Earl's trailer house thing. In other words, he lost his ass on the merchandising and royalty rights. There was apparently a Reebok commercial where they're running through the desert. That sounds pretty great. And Earl goes into this rant on how he fucked up and now he has a ranch with stupid ostriches that won't do what he wants him to do. So he's back to being broke like the first movie. And he points out this picture from a centerfold. And it's like October something 74, I think. And he's like, you know what that's doing there? Grady's like, what? Ooh, a naked chick. <laughs> um, to, remind me, to remind me to stop chasing after things I'm never going to get. But Grady's a bit more persuasive and is like, hey, this could be your big second chance. So he takes the job. And while they're driving up to the refinery, because apparently it's real close to where they are in Nevada, for being a giant super fan, he doesn't know how to play rock, paper, scissors. And I don't know how much I talked about it in the first review, but literally rock, paper, scissors is how Val and Earl decide every single argument or decision that they have. And Grady doesn't even know how to play rock, paper, scissors. He loses his soda over it. Scissors cuts paper. This whole movie, Grady's trying to figure out how to play fucking rock, paper, scissors. It's Grady's kind of dumb sometimes that's all i'm gonna say so when they get to the refinery ortega meets up with them 
And Pedro's there. He's like a handyman. I don't even know if he's a handyman. He drives the the truck, the big work truck for the the refinery. There's only three people at the refinery. There's Kate, Julio, and Pedro. And Ortega leaves after this conversation. But he does say if they catch a live one, they're willing to offer double. And double is a hundred thousand. So fifty grand a worm. And this makes Earl just want to leave. I get it. But I will give the corporate part of this movie credit. It was just a suggestion. They don't push it. Ortega's literally like, it was just a suggestion. If you could catch one alive, we will offer double if you can. No pushing. I like that. We don't need a corporate overlord in every fucking movie. I'm talking about you, Tremors 6. A cold day in hell. Anyway, Kate walks up and talks to Julio, and the seismographs are all up, so they have a onboard seismograph so they can know where the worms are. Good call. Earl has to get, is working with Kate to figure out where the worms are so they can figure out what they're going to do in the day, and they definitely check out each other's butts. But then Grady comes in and ruins the mood with his chain that has tin cans on it to make more noise that they're going to drag behind the truck, which is, you know, a good idea. So the first day of the hunt, (laughs) Grady makes a joke about the hills that are made out of alluvial as the dangleberry in the back of his throat. And Bert chastises him and is like, if you're going to hunt graboids, you need to know geography. Geology. Sorry. But eventually one starts coming in and... Bert's secret weapon is RC cars. Strap some dynamite onto an RC car, drive it out there, wait for him to get wait for it to get slurped and blow him the fuck up. So the, it works. The first one gets it, and it is pretty funny when it reminds me of the nail or the the staple scene from the first one where he starts trying to hit the explosion button, like the blow up button, detonation button. I finally got there. Ah, uh, on the remote control for the RC car, and these aren't like I went and got a kit RC cars. They're a, I went and got the one from fucking KB Toys version and it's just funny he's so like freaking out that he hits the wrong button and grady's like earl hit it earl hit it earl earl he finally blows it up and then we get a montage of nine more explosions so they're really kicking the shit out of these worms in the day they have a lunch break and fucking grady leaves the goddamn radio on the ground because he's a fucking idiot and then they go to sleep that night and they're sleeping on a rock the truck's parked on a rock and a coyote makes a noise and grady's like is that a coyote bert's like Bert. Earl's like, yep, you better keep quiet. Fucking graboid sound, dead dog sound. Yep. But we go to day two. They blow up another one with one stick of dynamite and they're at like 350,000 a piece. And then they start talking about how they're going to invest the money in Grady's umbrella because they have umbrellas because when you blow them up, they're nasty fucking grossness sprays everywhere. Flies off, flies off the side of the truck and he's just strolling on trying to get it. (laughs) And he's like, I want to build a theme park. Monster World, or Monster Land, or Worm World. (laughs) And Earl's like, how about Looney World? Get off the damn ground. And then all of a sudden you hear the radio, and Grady's like, I know that song. And the fucking Graboid that ate the radio erupts out of the ground right next to him, freaks out because he's never seen one this close, (laughs) runs back to the truck. Unfortunately, that motherfucker snagged that chain. And it just keeps going, and they're dragging the truck behind, and there's nothing they can do. Earl's trying, hits the brakes, puts it in a four-wheel drive, nothing works, they're coming up to a cliff. Fortunately, there was no explosions, so 
the graboid's like, yeah, I'm going to turn right. And he keeps going and going and going, and they're about to hit this giant rock. Luckily, it is a ramp-shaped rock. And the graboid goes under it, snaps the chain off, truck gets up onto the rock, and <laughs> Grady's like, that's going to be the first ride of my theme park. Earl's like, doesn't anything ever get you down? Grady's like, I've been blessed with a sunny disposition, and most people seem to like it. But then they look at the seismo jigger, <laughs> and there's like 10 worms coming after their location. And he's like, what's this do for your disposition? I don't know, but we need to call some help. So we get Bert on the phone, and Bert is, he's, he's depressed, you guys. Hasn't, he's got like five o'clock shadow, watching old war movies, eating a bag of chips and celery, which sounds disgusting. And he's got a graboid, the one that they killed, is mounted on his wall which is amazing. But once Earl brings up a Graboid sort of situation, we cut to them at the headquarters of the refinery. And Kate is looking at a fossil, or like a core sample, and one of the spines on their side that helps them push through the ground is in this rock, and it's pre-fucking Cambrian rock. And that doesn't make any sense. This is where it predates the fossil record from the first one, and I complain that it didn't make any sense. And the reason it doesn't make any sense is there's nothing to eat in the pre-Cambrian by this movie's own admission. Also, real life. There's only like one celled things, so real small stuff. So they'd have to cannibalize each other to death, so it makes no fucking sense. Just say they're in the Jurassic or something, and we just missed them. We miss shit all the time. It's not that hard. Stop trying to be special movie and just pick something that makes sense. Okay, we have one more scientific rant later, and yes, it's Kate's fault, but we'll get to that. Bert pulls up and sets off their seismographs and they freak out because it's huge. It's because he's got a big six-wheel military vehicle packed with explosives. He's got two elephant guns for Grady and Earl. He's got a fucking... a tank round he's got he's got a custom made gun called the grizzly some sort of numbers that i don't remember that's a single shot anti-tank round shooting gun it's awesome we also learned that uh reba's never coming back because heather divorced him and that's sad also we learned that he has 120 pounds of mres which they fail to mention the fact that when you eat an mre several you have to take a laxative as well because it stops you up i don't know if that's all mres i just know that it's some MREs. So we get to Bert's first kill. He has a tank instead of a truck because it's Bert. He also has four pounds of C4 stuck to it and it fucking incinerates the graboid. Like there's a couple of chunks that land on Bert and the rest is rocks and he makes a self memo. Maybe four pounds of C4 is a bit excessive, but it was the one that ate the radio and has a chain hanging out of its mouth, and Grady is upset that he killed their worm. But right after that, we see that one of them's moving away from Grady and Earl, so they chase it. They chase it into this, uh... I don't know what you would call it. But what happens is they drive up, it comes out of the ground, slams onto the top of their truck, and he backs up and, and wrecks the truck down the side of a hill. It's basically beached, which is weird because it goes underground, but it is. And it's pretty lethargic. They run a truck into it. It's got a tentacle hanging out of its mouth. It barely moves. Grady runs up and slaps it, does nothing. But they have to radio Kate for help to get Pedro out there with his truck so they can winch the worm back and then later come get the truck, I think was the order of protocol. But the beached one screams out in pain and Grady's like, we have to protect our investment. Let's go. And it's hollowed out. And Bert can't think Bert. What the fuck? Earl can't think of the word metamorphosis when he's trying to describe what he thinks happened. And I'll just explain it now. There's three sacks or bags, according to Grady, in each worm. And the new thing for this movie bursts out of those sacks, eats through the worm, and 
does its thing. But the radio goes out while they're talking, like Earl is talking to Kate and the radio goes out. Then they hear the sound. Another one is doing this hollowed out thing. And then they see Pedro in the truck, but he's like a mile away and he just stops. And they're like, maybe he took a leak. And then they wait and dissolves into like them waiting again. And Grady's like, we have to go see what's up. And Earl's like, walk a mile in open country with graboids running around. Yes. (laughs) So they do. And the only thing that Earl has is maybe the elephant gun, but he's just looking at the seismo monitor monitor while he's running there. And Grady has everything. He's got a cop car that wouldn't drive in this terrain. He's got sticks of dynamite. He's got guns. He's got all the shit. And he's like, maybe you could help carry some of this stuff. And he's like, I got what I want. So they get over to the truck and the engine is tore up like a can opener. Disgruntled can opener came after it. But they see Pedro's hands in the back of the truck and they go look and it's just his hands. And part of his forearm. And it's a whole new goddamn ball game. They see a radio tower, so they go to the radio tower. And then Bert checks in and is like, the radio's out. I haven't seen a Graboid in hours. I'm going to go back to HQ. Cut to the radio tower, which is also tore up. They see a car. Grady's like, I'll hotwire the damn thing. So they smash its window and then Earl opens the door. It was funny, for sure. But then you hear something coming. And they, they aim normally. And then the closer it gets, the higher they aim, because they think this giant thing's coming out. And then this, like, two-legged, no-armed, fucking tiny little thing pops out. And they're like, how the hell does a 30-foot worm turn into that little thing? And then it's got plates on the top of its head that open up, and then it screams at them, and it runs at them, and they shoot the shit out of it. Basically, these things are like a chubby raptor with no arms, and they have an approximation of the graboid mandibles, or whatever you want to call them. And they have one single tongue that just sticks to things and pulls them in. It doesn't have... They're like, it's barbed instead of a mouth. And they shriek. That's why they're called shriekers. We cut back to Bert. He gets overwhelmed with a bunch of shriekers. We cut to HQ, and Julio is talking to Kate through the window about what's going on, and then all of a sudden, he grabs onto her, and she gets to see his leg get eaten off by a shrieker. And Julio gets dragged away, and she runs into the corner and has a rock pick to protect herself, but Earl and Grady pull up and blow it away. But when they go to leave, there's one eating the car, so they blow that one away. But Bert comes up in a tattered-ass truck, and he, he got ambushed by literally the rest of them. He ran most of them down, semi-automatic fire, hand-to-hand techniques, small arms fire, fucking kills them all, except one was stunned, so he wrapped it up. So they pull the truck in, and they take that one out to observe it, but before that happens, before any, after they leave the room, one of them falls out from underneath the spare tire, and it's all fucked up, and it gets a hold of one of Bert's MREs. So now they're testing this thing to see what its deal is, and they take a broom, like it's locked in a cage, they take a broom and tap it to make a lot of noise and it doesn't care. Uh, Bert sticks his hand up, its, its plates open up and it screams and it puts off a lot of heat when it screams. So we've learned that they see body heat, they they signal to each other with body heat. Grady throws in a chunk of MRE and uh, it throws up a baby and it starts to grow real fast. And Kate says it's a hermaphrodite. And even when I was young and saw this movie the first time, I'm like, dude, that's not the right word. It's not fucking itself. It's asexual. Asexual reproduction is what you were looking for. I'm going to say budding just because I think it's funny to say asexual by budding because I'm a weirdo and I don't know why I think that's funny. But yeah, it just throws up a baby when it eats too much. Uh, while she's going to document this thing, one smashes through the window because now there's a bunch of them because of that one eating that MRE. And uh, when they're running around, they look like shitty CGI. It's a practical effect when they're standing. 
terrible CGI model when they're running. I understand that you can't make those things run with the budget that they had. I get it. I'm just annoyed. So they run out of the building that they're in, and Grady runs them to what he thinks is a building, and it's just a wall. And Kate's like, why didn't you listen to me? I told you not to go there. So they have to find a way to mask their body heat to get to Julio's truck. And the way that they do that is Earl is like, hey, grab that door and hold on to the door handle and the side of it. And we're just going to walk two by twosies with the doors. And it works. And they make it almost to Julio's truck. But there's one in between them and the truck. There's like a concrete wall and everything. Uh... So Bert gets out his grizzly big boy, and he uh, he explodes it in half with this bullet, and it goes through a bunch of oil drums and into the truck. So they're still stranded. <laughs> Bert gets shit for that, but how could he have known? He went for maximum penetration. He was supposed to be hunting graboids. But then they get noticed by the group of shriekers, and they get split. Kate and Earl get stuck in a cantina. Grady goes up an oil tower, and Bert is stuck in a excavator bucket and it's just high enough to where only their tongues can get on the rim so they don't know he's there but they are attacking the cantina and earl decides to soak some clothes with steaming hot water and put it on the clothesline and that distracts them long enough kate also smashes a bottle and stabs one of their tongues when they're breaking through the door but that distracts them enough for them to run to the oil tower and then it's like some time later uh kate and earl start flirting and then we realize that kate is the 1974 picture in October that he holds up. So they have a little bit of fun with that. But the Shriekers are getting smarter, and they start climbing on each other to get to the top of the tower. Bert uses his knife as a mirror to see this, and he distracts them all and runs into a warehouse. Fucking closes everything up. Problem solved. Unfortunately, they start making the I'm throwing up baby sounds, and uh, that warehouse had rice flour and sweet snack food. So now there's more. So Earl comes up with the next plan, and the next plan is spray me with a fire extinguisher. And back then they were CO2, not the foamy kind. The foamy kind won't work. They're not cold. So if you're ever going to try this, you got to get a CO2 one. Dumbass scientists didn't realize that in the second or in the third one. Just saying. CO2 fire extinguisher, and Grady wants to do it. So they rock, paper, scissor, and Grady finally wins one. But Earl's like, no, Rock rips new paper because he'd rather not have Grady die. Same thing with running for the the cat in the first one, only he didn't have to punch anybody. So they spray him down. I mean, he's got uh, a shirt wrapped around his head. So they spray him down and he goes in to get a bomb from, uh, get some bombs from Bert's truck. So he gets in there, he gets onto the truck and then he starts to melt. And now everybody knows he's there. So he just grabs one, pushes a button, throws it into the truck and he grabs onto uh, a light and tries to swing his way past them and he slams into the wall. They cut a fire hose to use as a rope to pull them up to the second floor window because that was the only one that wasn't barred. And they get him out of there and Bert's like, dude, we need to run. It's going to be big. And Grady's like, how big? Big. It's going to be big. And they run all the way to the road. It's it's quite quite a ways away. And they get into the ditch of the road, except Grady because Grady's like, well, Bert's like, it's going to be big. And Grady's like, is it going to be today? And Bert's like, get your ass down here. Explosion. The entire refinery is a crater now. Grady gets blown to the ground. He almost gets crushed by a dead body. Fucking 
love real explosions in movies. I don't care if it was a model, but when they're walking up to it, it's a giant crater. And Grady's like, they should pay us for all the little ones too. And Earl's like, yeah, we didn't die. And he's like, hey, I can hang out here with you for a while if you want, Kate. And Kate's like, haha, yes. <laughs> and then the movie ends. So that was, I almost said Critters 2. <laughs> that was Trimmers 2 Aftershocks. And I will say that Fred Ward did an amazing job in both movies. Michael Gross did good in both movies. Grady is annoying at first, but then you get used to him. And then Kate's great. He, the movie just went stupid with its science there for a little bit. All right. Next week, I have no idea what I'm doing. I didn't get that far in thought for the week. But I will talk to you all next week. I hope you have a good week and bye.